We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Bartle. Yep, you heard me yesterday with Jeff Erickson, but today I'm joined alongside, as always, with my illustrious co-host Jake Latarski. Jake has actually changed up his Twitter handle a little bit, but before we actually talk about that, I'm going to toss to Jake uh, for a deal for you, the listeners, and the RotoWire magazine. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, so as Joe mentioned here, I flipped it over to Roto Jake. That seemed pretty obvious, so it'll be something a little easier to remember than something with numbers and, and you know, the Polish name in there. So uh, we'll go ahead and go at Roto Jake for that from now on. Joe is at JB Fantasy Sports, but uh, we've got some NFL magazines laying around the office here, and we would like to give those away to some of our lucky listeners here. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while or, or you're a new listener, all we need you to do is uh, to do a rating and review for the podcast on iTunes. And if you're an Android guy, don't worry about it. You can make an iTunes account and just throw the uh, rating and review on there. And uh, 
I got about 10 magazines to give away. I'll give it to the first 10 people that just uh, take take the time to give us a five-star review, screen grab it, and then send it over to me on Twitter. Again, I'm at RotoJake. I even made the Twitter simple for everybody. So we'll remind you guys at the end. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so even trade, you give us a review, and uh, we'll go ahead and mail you a free copy of our NFL magazine, uh, award-winning magazines here at RotoWire. I know I know print might be dying a little bit, but uh, and, of course, the website is the uh, is the best way for constantly updated information. But if you need you know some bathroom side or, or if you're going on a road trip or plenty of reasons to have a, a print magazine around, uh, it's good stuff. Just to have a point of reference for all the players and team previews. So that's one way to go ahead and do that. So uh, we, of course, appreciate anyone who's rated and reviewed the pod. But, again, all you got to do is screenshot it, uh, get it to me at RotoJake, and I will uh, DM you for your shipping info and get those shipped out as soon as I hear from you. So that's what we're running today. The magazine is one of the more illustrious things also at RotoWire too. You talked about award winning both for baseball and NFL. I feel like it's one of my favorite things and it certainly is the kickstart for fantasy football season. But I spent a lot of time yesterday just running down all the training camp news that occurred throughout just really last weekend or, or this past weekend. Today we're going to be discussing a little bit more training camp news. We have at least two notable wide receiver injuries and of course we have the, it feels like, daily news on Cam Blige, Kenyon Drake, and Derrick Henry. But we want to spend the majority of the podcast today talking about our sleeper players. I've, I'm not sure, Jake, how you feel about the word sleeper, but to me it's it's one of those, it's a crux almost that uh, people rely too heavily on. So I think we're going to kind of focus more on the ADPs where players are getting drafted and if we think they're going to be able to return significant value. So don't think of this exactly as a sleeper bust Mm -hmm. podcast, but for lack of a better term and frankly the fantasy field has not been able to create one that's what we're going to be focusing yeah. on for today exactly maybe next week we'll do busts or players that we don't draft but today we're going to focus on sleeper and you're right joe the term sleeper uh, is very different depending on your league format you know a, a sleeper in a 10 team league is a lot different than a sleeper in a 14 or a 16 team league so we're going to kind of try to go for uh for each position group we'll go for uh at least with running backs and receivers we'll go with some mid-round targets and some late round flyers or, or dart throws if you want to call them that um so we'll yeah so we'll talk about some guys that uh basically we think can start will have a good chance to outperform their ADP and we'll use uh, I've been using NFFC ADP for uh, and those are PPR leagues so that's kind of my point of reference here uh, when I talk about ADP for a particular player and that's what the word sleeper means uh, in the context of this podcast so we'll get to that in just a second but let's uh, let's get going with some news Joe yep starting first with Tyreek Hill he was he, he came up a little bit gingerly at practice today, Tuesday, and then was eventually carted off the field. It's He's believed to have sustained a bruised quad injury and is expected to be fine. This coming of, of course, from Adam Schefter of ESPN. I'm a little bit skeptical just based off of what we thought with A.J. Green when he was carted off the field at uh, the Bengals practice Saturday and how we thought it would be fine, not too big of an issue. And oh, by the way, now he's going to have surgery on his ankle and is expected to potentially miss all, uh, like, all the preseason, but even – even into weeks one and two of the regular season. So bruised quad for Tyree Kill is the information we have now. Of course, we know, and I don't really want to discuss it too much further, that he will be coming back. He won't face any sort of disciplinary uh, penalty for his offseason stuff this season. Or, yeah, he won't face any penalty this season. But he's kind of being considered as a late first round, early second round pick right now in NFFC formats. I think I was talking with somebody on SiriusXM last week and he was taken as high as number eight overall in a PPR draft. Mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable going that high, but if he was going to miss any time with this quad injury, I have to imagine the ADP is going to fall significantly. 
I, I don't know if it's going to be that significant. I mean, we have Bruce Quad for now. That could change it. Uh, for me, he's wide receiver five or six right now. There's a real tough kind of cutoff point in there. And uh, so for me, that's kind of uh, maybe the second round turn. I think 14 is the earliest I've seen him, but eighth overall, that's pretty wild. Um, that's that's high regardless of injury or anything like that. I'm not ready to overreact to this news or suddenly boost Sammy Watkins up because of that, Nicole Hardman. Uh, I've got some Chiefs players kind of I want to talk about. I know it's really hard to qualify them as sleepers. We'll talk about them later in the show, so I'll kind of go in further in depth to his supporting cast. But for now, this isn't a needle mover until we get a more concrete timetable. Yeah, you're right. And I, I probably shouldn't have said significantly, but let's say he this ends up being more serious than uh, what we anticipate, just like with A.J. Green's scenario, and he could miss weeks one or two. And a quad injury, even a hamstring injury, seems to be one that lingers throughout the rest of the year. Would you have any concerns if we found out this is maybe slightly more serious and he could miss it into the regular season where you wouldn't want to take him as your fifth or sixth wide receiver? Yeah, well, I mean, Tyree Kill is a player that, in my definition, doesn't necessarily need a training camp. So he could sit out the entire preseason and it wouldn't worry me much. I mean, it's the same quarterback, same head coach, same offensive scheme. So, uh, you know, maybe they could work with him more on some gadget plays that, you know, he's always known to do. Uh, But for the most part, if they take a conservative approach and he doesn't see any time in the preseason, it's not going to worry me too much as long as we're assured that he's ready to go for week one he is a speed guy of course a lot of his uh value and production comes from that breakaway speed and the bruce quad could affect that but i'm not ready to put on my md hat yet and diagnose it yeah i think we need to have jeff stats come on to make sure and confirm what that means you're right it's it's probably too early to speculate on what that injury means but certainly a top receiver um suffering any sort of injuries relevant to note aj green who i kind of already referenced earlier and jeff and i spent an extensive amount of time talking about yesterday he had minor minor ankle surgery today uh torn ligaments in his ankle he's still expected to miss maybe week one uh possibly into week two he could even play week one i don't think we quite know for certain but he's a guy that um Obviously, people are taking at the back end of the third round, in the middle of the third round, and probably will end up falling a little bit. Are you interested in acquiring shares of AJ Green after this news has surfaced? At a discount, maybe, but I'm not trying to pursue it overly aggressively. I don't like to go too out of left field in my first three rounds, if that is possible. And and the reason AJ Green wasn't a top five receiver, you know, before this injury is because of the worry about re-injury. And now that he that he went ahead and did that, um, that makes me pretty lukewarm to cold on him. Uh, I was looking at our projections just a second ago. We've got AJ Green um, all the way down to the 30th overall player, which means third round for some people. Uh, his projections have been nerfed a little bit 65 catches 948 yards and seven touchdowns that's very very average that's not what you think of when you think of AJ Green so I guess I would get him but it'd have to be at a pretty substantial discount if he was around at the end of the third early fourth I'd grab him but this definitely doesn't do anything at all to ease injury concerns yeah, and I actually think I wouldn't take him until even later. I don't know what the ADP is going to end up happening, but I'd be curious to see what our, our barometer, at least by the end of Friday, will look like in 12-team NFFC formats. If he falls into the fifth or sixth round, I feel comfortable taking A.J. Green. But as Jeff was telling us yesterday on the podcast, he does have injury concerns. The Bengals' offense isn't all that good, and even it wasn't going to be even that good if A.J. Green was entirely healthy. And we can't guarantee that A.J. Green is going to be healthy, given he's on the wrong side of 30 uh, and he's had injury concerns last season. Like it's just not something we can assume anymore. So maybe, maybe even at the fifth or sixth round, somebody that I'd feel uncomfortable taking. But the upside is tough to ignore when it comes to a guy like AJ Green and his skill set. 
Yeah, no, no doubt with that. Uh, I mean, you could be getting a first-round pick with your fifth-round pick if he ends up suiting up in week one. And, but it is a pretty risky move, and you have to take all the, the whole system and the injury history into consideration, like you mentioned. Yeah. Derrick Henry, uh, who missed practice both Friday, Saturday. I guess I don't know what his status was um, uh, Sunday or Monday. But the fact that he is now going to be out approximately two weeks with a strained calf muscle probably indicates that he wasn't able to practice either of those days. Either way, he's not going to be missing time into the regular season as of now. Of course, we know calf muscles, along with just about any muscle in the leg, can be a tricky thing to do, especially or deal with, especially as a running back. Uh, Derrick Henry certainly a guy in standard formats that a lot of people are targeting he actually went in the back end of the first round in our uh, vegas draft league two two weeks ago three weeks ago now uh which was a little bit high for him but i've seen him go in that second third fourth round range if he loses any of his explosiveness i'm not sure i feel comfortable taking him uh with that titans offense i just don't know what i'm getting out of marcus Mariota and uh the rest of that team overall Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a player who I like a lot on paper. I mean, he did rush for a thousand yards and scored twelve touchdowns last season. Uh, but you're right; if there is any hindrance to that explosiveness, uh, that would basically what I'm saying, Joe, is I would be happy to get him at a discount uh, because right now, even if I look over the last seven days, his NFFC ADP is about thirty-eight. So we're looking uh, middle of the fourth round or early in the fourth round ish, I guess, for uh, for your twelve-team leagues. If he were to fall to the fifth or sixth round and he ended up, you know, maybe as my RB3 or, you know, an RB2 if I got another decent RB3 to compliment him with, I'd still be okay because, again, we're going to play this overreaction game all preseason, throughout the whole preseason. A strained calf muscle out two weeks, him missing the preseason could actually be a good thing as long as they don't rush him back from the injury. I think uh, the system there is something that I'm not overly worried about, you know, the the quarterback and then the offense. I think they're they're an offense that's going to run the ball and then that's going to be one of their main goals uh except you know i got a receiver i like when we get to sleepers later on we'll get to that in a little bit but uh if anything this just all this does is make me hope that i can get him at a discount when the time comes jake's thrown in some foreshadowing i like it quite a bit yeah you're right uh henry's influence in the offense is going to be there regardless if he's completely healthy or not i just wonder how efficient and effective he'll be if this injury lingers in the regular season then we won't know and even if even if it is like after two weeks and he's still hurt no one's going to tell us that the titans aren't going to give out that information just doesn't behoove them in the organization to make their prime running back a candidate for potentially you know targets for their players uh and and where he's positioned so yeah you're right and it's tough to speculate all we have is just tidbits of information right now and there's a lot of tidbits in this first week of training camp with all these different players going down with nixon and nagging injuries um really it it was almost a blessing in disguise um to get the golden tate news the fact that he's going to be out four games uh potentially with a suspension because you can guarantee a set amount of time that he will be out but even like a sterling shepherd broke his finger out potentially up until all the preseason, maybe week one, it's difficult. And I think we're going to see that a lot more with the news. And I, I, I preface all that by saying we just got injury uh, news about Kalen Balaj, the potential starting running back for the Miami Dolphins, who I teased Jeff Erickson about yesterday. Uh, he's super You're high crazy. on Kenyon Drake. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm not high on either of them, but I was definitely trying to fade Kenyon Drake. Now if Balaj misses any time, which we don't really know, this, this is just an uh he appeared to get banged up which was the report i don't know what that really means other than he wasn't out there practicing welcome to training camp everybody yeah i mean again not gonna overreact too much to this bumped kenyan drake up my rankings he's looking at an adp of about 58 right now so i mean 
I would be okay with a mid fifth round pick on him. I, I could live with that. I, I like the price where he's going right now. Um, and if I mean, if anything expounds on this uh, Balage injury, uh, I have very little faith in Miles Gaskin, Kenneth Farrow, Mark Walton, or Patrick Laird to be taking that job from Kenyon Drake. So just with security and possibly volume alone could be enough to make him more attractive to me. But again, uh, I'm not quite ready to play the overreaction game yet. Any sort of time that Balazs misses, even if it's a week or two, would almost solidify Kenny Drake, in my opinion, unfortunately, as the starting running back for the Dolphins. And that's and that would make my uh, my repeated teasing about people that like Kenny Drake probably moot. So I'm I'm rooting for Kalen uh, Balazs to get back and healthy. But I guess we won't find out until Wednesday. We're going to dive into our quarterbacks and tight end uh, sleepers, for lack of a better word, first. Before we do that, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo DFS. It's officially July, which means football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about time commitment. No waiver wires, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish? Well, free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football, but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. You can play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. Coming soon to the Yahoo Fantasy app. All right. We talked about quarterbacks, tight ends. Uh, again, the sleeper term, and I want to make sure we emphasize this, is not guys that are like round six, seven, eight that you can target for the quarterback position or tight end. These are people that are going drastically lower than some of their other counterparts who we think are going to be able to exceed upon their ADP. So I want to start first, Jake, with one of the guys that you like that I'm going to disagree with. And I, I promise to the listeners, it's not just because I'm a Packers fan. And of course, you are a Packers fan as well. So this is especially treasonous to me. But you are a fan of Mitchell Trubisky. And I don't really understand why, but I'll let you try to convince me on it. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I've been go. I don't think I've missed a, you know, a, a game at Lambeau Field or not a single game. There hasn't been a year that I haven't gone to a game since I was about eight years old. So I've got a lot of Packer fandom in the background too, which should make this hopefully all the more emphasis on, on why I'm willing to go out of the box and accept that Mitchell Trubisky will be a good fantasy quarterback. Now I'm not going to call a Mahomes like breakout because that would be calling an MVP. And I think that would, they'd, I mean, they'd have to run away with the division for that to happen and they're going to get some stiff competition, but I think he will finish as a top 10 scoring fantasy quarterback when it's all said and done. A lot of it's with the career trajectory here you know it's his third year in the league it's his second year with this head coach in this system uh so, so there's there's good stuff there but i'm just going to kind of start from top to bottom here i want to start with the offensive line rotowire ranks the bears number eight overall they gave up the second least quarterback hits in 2018 so you get that stability factor i know trubisky did miss a couple games uh towards the back half of last year um but i, I he gets rid of the ball quickly he has I forget what the next-gen stat I saw the other day was, but he's got a 78% completion percentage on uh, on times when he's had less than two and, a half, two and a half seconds or less to throw the ball. So they're going to get him ready to succeed with quick passes and help him avoid hits. So hopefully that keeps him on the field. But, you know, to continue to move on, I mean, 
I want to look at the weapons, man. Uh, whether you're a Montgomery believer or not, or whether you think Davis cuts into that, or uh, whether you're looking at drafting Cohen in your PPR leagues, uh, there's a there's a good backfield and enough to have a good running back. Again, more stability. Allen Robinson will be around to catch passes and and decent secondary receivers and Trey Burton as tight ends. So I like the system. I like the offensive line. I like the skill positions. And I the big thing for me, especially with fantasy, is uh, you can't really take a quarterback and expect to have fantasy success if there's not at least a little bit of mobility. So not only does the mobility be there enough to avoid sacks, it boosts his rushing floor. Um, and I remember he missed two games last year, and he had 421 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Rotowire's projecting at least a repeat. I think he can even do a little bit better than that. So, uh, I mean, between the narrative, the rushing ability, the supporting cast, which includes the offensive line, I think his trajectory is going to be heading to that where he could have a breakout season. And this is coming from a big Packer fan. So I'm going to be a big Trubisky supporter. If you're not going to take a quarterback in your in your first eight, nine rounds and he's still hanging around out there, his ADP is 111 right now. So that's about when you'll have to take him. But I'm okay with going into the season with him as my quarterback, loading up on other skill positions early in the draft. I was happy as a Packers fan to see the Bears not only take Trubisky to trade up uh, when they didn't need to and acquire him. I didn't think he was going to be a very good quarterback overall. And certainly in his rookie season, I felt like I was at least a little bit convinced. His mobility is a concern. Certainly gets the Packers, it feels like. Uh, that always comes back to bite them. But really, the start of 2018, that first eight weeks or so I was I was shaking my head a little bit and shaking my boots as well as a Packers fan because he was doing really well obviously he had that six touchdown game which has inflated his numbers pretty significantly against the Buccaneers in week four but he had uh, let's see I think three game or five games I'm sorry uh, with two or more passing touchdowns and he had over 200 yards in all but one of those games in that stretch and of course the rushing yards are also there as well so like week eight week one through eight Trubisky it was like oh my god this is going to be a really good quarterback the Packers going to deal with now for a substantial amount of time and it looked like the Matt Nagy offense was really firing in all cylinders but then week nine through week 17 Trubisky only threw more than two touchdowns twice he didn't run for additional touchdowns either, and he had at least only had one, two, three, four regular season games under 170 passing yards. Like, it, for whatever the reason, it felt like towards the end of the back half of the second season, or the back half of, back half of his second season, defenses seemed to catch on to what he was doing or what that Matt Nagy offense is. And I don't think he's a good enough quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or someone else like that to to really make things happen. I think scheming wise he has to be the option I, I really do think Matt Nagy is going to be a, a solid head coach and really offensive coordinator and Trubisky should be fine but when we're talking about those second half numbers it's hard not to be concerned given how much promise he had to start the year and how it felt like defenses were able to catch on to him yeah I mean no doubt in my mind that the second half numbers uh were a little bit of a red flag when doing this research but you know when I see four or five games of 30 or more fantasy points that's enough glimpses at a ceiling to make me think that he can really uh that he can really get it together and break out in the second year so uh we we don't need to go back and forth on this forever but I'm just saying that I I, maybe I smell a bet in here and I hate betting on the Chicago (laughs) Bears this is so weird we'll have have to discuss this uh potentially at at, at another date here but I, I think he finishes as a top 10 scoring quarterback in a year where the quarterback pool is as deep as as it's ever been before i would take i would rank mitch trubisky over drew Brees, for example um, just i to kind feel, of put that in there i feel okay about taking trubisky over Brees too but that's more so because I'm, I'm super fading Brees. Mm-hmm. i'm not 100 percent ready to go and bet on trubisky because I, I think that i think matt nagy's gonna have something up his sleeves for year three of his 
game manager quarterback, and I do think Trubisky's a game manager, despite what you might say. Last However, thing I'll I, say is a screen pass to Terry Cohen, who takes it to the house, is a touchdown <laughs> for Mitch Trubisky. Just keep yes. that in mind on draft day. Yeah, and I, I think that maybe happens three times all season. So there you go. Great. You get your six points out of uh, 17 weeks. Fantastic. I will be willing to bet on your other sleeper quarterback, though, Josh Allen. Uh, the guy that probably can't hit a barn if he's standing next to it when he's throwing is now being considered among the top 10, at least top 12 fantasy quarterbacks around that with his ADP based largely on the fact that he can run. So convince me as a passer, Josh Allen's going to improve enough in year two that he mm-hmm. could be a relevant fantasy asset for a lot of people. I mean, we saw with the likes of uh, Lamar Jackson and of course, Josh Allen last year that you don't need to necessarily be an elite passer to be a serviceable, if not uh, every week starter fantasy quarterback. You know, you want to you wanna really give me the uh, pile on the second half splits with Trubisky. I mean, we got to look at the second half splits of Allen. 28.6 fantasy points per game uh, over the last six games of last season, 476 rushing yards and five touchdowns. There's no question that the physical tools are there, the just amazing arm strength and, and athleticism that he has. Uh, the advanced metrics back him up a little little bit you know the rotowire wire profile pages have a lot of this cool data on there and one thing that he qualifies elite in is average target depth is 11 of 11.2 yards so he's definitely not afraid to throw down the field necessarily now the weapons around him aren't the greatest but i think they met they brought in players just enough that will match his skill set so guys like john brown you know a burner that's going to go for a lot of deep balls you know how many shots down the field are they going to take per game and i'm you know more not more often than not but i think he'll hit on those shots just enough so um maybe Allen will stagnate a little bit i guess there's a chance of that and uh you know maybe the breakout comes in year three but i'd be willing to take uh you know at, at the adp of 124 just under trubisky i'd be willing to take a chance on him and uh you know his best case scenario the ceiling for him i would say something along the lines of deshaun watson type numbers now that's an absolute ceiling but it's in there. It's in there. He doesn't quite have the receiving weapons, and and maybe that could improve, but uh, it's possible there. It's worth pointing out that uh, Josh Allen and John Brown have looked really good in training camp thus far. Obviously, training camp's mm-hmm. only a couple days old so far, but he, he's he's been a pretty. Uh, they've had a lot of good connection. Cole Beasley, another one of their offseason additions, they've looked all right as well, but I'm a little bit concerned about his target radius, Cole Beasley's that is, and trying to catch from an erratic thrower like. Josh Allen, which he is an erratic thrower, despite whatever statistics want to tell you, mm-hmm. he's he struggles with his accuracy, particularly short range. Like he's got the cannon, which makes sense why a guy like John Brown could succeed. And I'm fine taking John Brown, uh, where his current ADP relies. And even a guy like Robert Foster, who's also a speed threat and proved that at times last season, should be able to benefit from a, another year of development from Josh Allen. But overall, like as a quarterback, even as a QB two, mm-hmm. I don't really want to waste a roster spot on Josh Allen unless I'm really debating between like a Ryan Fitzpatrick who I waited on just to make sure he's the starter for week one or or something like that. There's there's too many other names out there that I could draft uh, that I feel much more confident giving me a floor as opposed to going after either a guy like Allen or Trubisky. And I will say, floor guy Philip Rivers at 80 p 106 is a perfect example of somebody who I think will be able to do production-wise the yardage and touchdowns better than what Allen and Trubisky will do all season. They have the rushing floor, which helps them a little bit, and Rivers is going to give you next to nothing when it comes to running. But in terms of late-round quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers kind of going a little bit ahead of Trubisky and Allen, but I'll take him 100% of the time over either of those guys. 
Yeah, see, for me, I would definitely go Trubisky over Rivers. Rivers Allen is where it gets to be a little bit closer, but I can see him. He's always going to be a serviceable fantasy quarterback. You know, he's got an excellent supporting cast here. I guess my question for you is if Melvin Gordon misses eight games, do you think of Phillip Rivers as the same? I'm just kind of throwing a hypothetical out there. I actually think if Melvin Gordon misses eight games or misses any games or whatever else, that that only benefits my my Phillip Rivers love even more. He'll have to utilize Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, not just as runners, but as receivers even more so than they already would need to do uh, just if Melvin Gordon was healthy. So yeah, I think that helps. And I think they're also going to have to utilize Mike Williams, Hunter Henry in the red zone even more as where maybe Melvin Gordon gets six to eight touchdowns. That would be uh, that would probably be the ceiling that I'd expect from a Justin Jackson Austin Eckler combo in the red zone. So I think Philip Rivers even have to be throwing it more and getting more touchdowns, and that's really where the, the touchdowns is the difference maker between the yardage gap that he's giving up for Trubisky and uh, Josh Allen. Like if you think that Rivers could be able to be a touchdown threat and throw for let's say I don't know forty touchdowns, which feels unrealistic because he hasn't done that in his entire career, but if he gets even to like thirty five or thirty six and sneaks in a QB sneak and gets that 37 that's where he makes the point difference for a josh allen trubisky and he's got the ceiling with the yardage whereas i think trubisky and allen we've seen at least trubisky weeks 9 through 17 and allen really when he was starting to, to begin his rookie year uh that the yardage isn't quite isn't always a guarantee Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I can I, I can buy that argument here. Uh, at 37 years old, the age you know starts to be a little bit of concern, but maybe not so much with what we've seen quarterbacks do lately. I mean, he's consistent. He's not a flashy player, whether he has Gordon or not. Um, he's going to get you your numbers here, but um, in a in a year with so much quarterback depth, I'm not necessarily if he, he he'd be someone that falls to me, and I'd be okay with it, but I won't go out of my way to get. I don't want to spend too much more time talking about the quarterbacks because there just are so many that finding a sleeper, again, that's a relative term, mm-hmm. could apply to any sort of round. Like you can get a Drew Brees who neither of us are super high on. It sounds like still very late. A Ben Roethlisberger pretty late and you can feel comfortable starting them week out. Derek Carr, though, is a guy that's being drafted in like 140 range mm-hmm. that – He's thrown for 4,000 passing yards just once. That was last season. He only had 19 touchdowns overall. Regardless of what you believe John Gruden to be as a head coach or offensive coordinator and what you believe Derek Carr's talent is going to be, the Raiders are going to have to throw the ball. And they invested heavily in their pass catchers, obviously Antonio Brown, but they also signed uh, Terrell Williams, too, from the Chargers. And I think both are going to make a substantial difference for Carr in the red zone in particular. Josh Jacobs was a great addition as a first-round pick that I think will help running the ball but also receiving. I think it's I think it's really realistic for him to get around that 4,000 passing yard mark again, but also get something like 25 to 30 passing touchdowns and maybe bump up his interceptions mm-hmm. only subst- like only a little bit, like two or three. Yeah, Rotowire is projecting about a 300-yard increase in terms of his uh, passing yard. Eight more passing touchdowns, and I definitely see why the additions are going to help him a whole lot. But for me, in my book, Carr is kind of a not draft guy for me. He's uh, You mentioned he's around 140. Um, I'm not necessarily in such a hurry to get a backup quarterback. In my mind, I think of Carr more as a stream option if he gets hot earlier, if he has the right offensive matchup here. So uh, I don't even want to look at second-half splits last year because the supporting cast is so <laughs> it's so different here. And, and trust me, if you're thinking about drafting Carr, you don't want to look at those uh, second-half splits either, especially three touch or one touchdown in the last three games combined. But, of course, the whole supporting cast here is different and improved. And, uh, you know, I just I, I don't see John Gruden suddenly making this big turnaround at age 28. And, and you know, 44. 400 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, you know, 
10 years ago, that might have been one of the top fantasy quarterbacks or the top fantasy quarterbacks. Right now, it's average, and that's replacement level here for me. So uh, I'm not going out of my way to get him in drafts. He is a guy, I'll watch list. If my quarterback gets hurt or starts slow and car is a good matchup, I'll pick him up and stream him because that seems like what you're going to be able to do unless you're in one of those leagues where everyone right. feels the need to hold on to two or more quarterbacks at all times, which I always Or, or a 2QB or, or super flex league where Derek mm-hmm. Carr has more value. Are you ready for your first uh, Joe and Jake and uh, NFL Tuesday podcast board bet because I'm willing to suggest uh, I'll put it down that I think Derek Carr has more fantasy points by the end of the year than Josh Allen. Ooh, ooh, that gets really tough. Um, yeah, I'll take you up on that. I think Josh Allen outscores him because of the rushing. You're not getting any rushing at all with Carr. We have him projected for all of 43 rushing yards this year, and as long, I mean. I guess health might be a little bit of a concern if Allen's going to put himself out there, but I'll take that bet. I would I would put Allen ahead of Carr. All right. All right. Then that's, that's our first one down. The, the listeners can mark it down themselves yeah. that I, I'm taking Carr over Allen when it comes to total fantasy points by the end of the season. I do want to jump down to the tight end position real quick. Mm. So we talked about the quarterbacks, how deep they are this season. The tight end position is completely different, but also kind of the same. And I'll explain a little bit further. Mm. Top three tight ends. We already know about that. Travis Kelsey, uh, George, uh, George Kittle and Zach Ertz are going in rounds one through four and should be going in rounds one through four. I've been hesitant to take quarter or t- tight end super high in past drafts i'm leaning more to that now with kelsey and kittle in particular finding the values late is going to be a question mark because it, it goes back to what your strategy is and how you want to build your roster a guy like david nujoku in the middle rounds or vance mcdonald i like quite a bit but if you really want to wait on tight ends jack doyle and jordan reed which you can only expect six games for but mm-hmm. that's still six games of quality tight end play from a redskins guy that has to be the pass catcher of that roster i like both those options so again it kind of goes back to the middle rounds late rounds who's your late round target at the tight end position like real late well i want I want to run down yours first quick. Njoku, I buy. I mean, I love the athleticism. If he can shake some of the drop issues, uh, you know, we'll be good to go. That offense is going to be a whole lot better, and he's not going to warrant a ton of attention given the other weapons they have. So he could be a real star this year. Jack Doyle, I also like a lot. You know, um, Ebron got all the touchdowns last year, so we know how much that system, that scheme, and luck like to throw to the tight end. Uh, once Doyle's healthy, I have a lot more faith in him being healthy than your other options. So if I miss out on those big three, I might. Unless O.J. Howard falls to me at a decent spot, I will wait till the end and hopefully get my hands on Josh Doyle. Uh, Jordan Reed, I think you're crazy. I just don't think you can trust him to stay on your <laughs> roster for half half of a season here. Um, if he's he's like like Carr, if he suddenly um, looks healthy and is playing, you know, fifteen twenty snaps, then okay, maybe I'd pick him up. But I have no interest in drafting him. Well, hold on, Jordan yeah. Reed actually does look healthy at training camp right now, and that's the only reason I'm putting him down. I'm not anticipating more than four games from Jordan Reed. Like if I'm taking yeah. Jordan Reed. He's the last pick in my draft, and I already have a different tight end before him. But if I know I have a healthy Jordan Reed, I might start him in my lineup over guys that are probably going rounds six, yeah. seven rounds higher yeah. than him. That's that's what I'm looking okay. at right now. Jordan Reed's ADP is six spots ahead of Jack Doyle, and I would take Jack Doyle by a mile. By I would a landslide. Too. I, I think I that the too. difference is gigantic in those two. I'd much rather have Jack Doyle. Um, as for my picks, uh, so I'll give you a middle round and a late one that interests me a little bit. Uh, the middle round um, is someone that the, if you're a RotoWire subscriber or are using our projections, you'll see that we're higher on this player than most news outlets 
Woods. Uh, that's Vance McDonald uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I truly think that um, uh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to find and utilize him, and he's going to be one of their top pass-catching options. I mean, um, this will be a breakout season. In 29, it's 29 years old, it seems like the perfect time for a breakout. Last year was already a career-best season, uh, 50 catches for 610 yards and four touchdowns. That's 8.5 yards per target, nearly matched his 2016 career best, but definitely an improvement. It'll be his third year with the system, and the supporting cast around me just leads me to believe that um, th- that he'll get a big chunk of duty in that passing game, uh, whether it's over the middle. I mean, we know we've got Juju Smith-Schuster around. Uh, he'll dominate the targets, no question about that. The running backs are capable, but it's not like we have a Le'Veon Bell-type pass catcher around there, and... Um, after Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, there's one guy I'll talk about when we get to receivers, but that uh, receiving cast is uh, nothing really to write home about. So I think the targets and the volume will finally be there for Vance McDonald. Uh, there's no the outlaw, Jesse James. He's not around. Xavier Grimble is his backup on the current depth chart. So uh, right. just uh, just based on opportunity and volume and, and, you know, the flashes of skill we've seen in the past, I'm going to take Vance McDonald ahead of his ADP of 103. Yeah, I, of the sleeper tight ends, and again, you can classify them based off of your different ADPs. I love O.J. Howard the most, Hunter Henry's next. I would go Jack Doyle where he's going right now. Like I, I, I'm really high on Jack Doyle, and I don't understand. I, Eric Ebron's there, I get it, but like you have to understand there's going to be some touchdown regression coming, and Jack Doyle is one of Andrew Luck's favorite targets, and that offense is going to be even better. So he's my like number three tight end sleeper. Vance McDonald's number four, and he's really close to Jack Doyle, given his current ADP, is going in the eighth or ninth round, and I'm fine with that. But more often than not, I've found, at least when I'm constructing my lineup, that fifth, sixth round, I don't like any of the running backs or receivers there. I don't feel confident taking them at my current spot. So I'm getting the O.J. Howards and Hunter Henrys. And when that happens, I just don't end up taking a Vance McDonald. So I don't have a lot of shares of him. But, man, I do like him quite a bit. Yeah, I can just see him where if you miss out on the top guys, that big three, we'll, we'll call it, um, where he'd be kind of a middle-round target here while you load up the other positions of your roster. The other guy I wanted to bring up who uh, surprisingly has a higher ADP than Jack Doyle, or Doyle, and I'd actually prefer Doyle over this option. But I want to say the name Dallas Goddard just because he's going to be a late round pick that's not going to cost you much if you take Zach Ertz you should almost definitely try to get him just in case because if anything were to happen to Zach Ertz uh, Goddard immediately slides in as a top five tight end the rest of the season maybe even in the into that top three because that offense does like throwing to the tight ends and even with a healthy Zach Ertz he's a plug-and-play person in, in the worst-case scenario. I, I mean, in a PPR league, I feel like he's got you at least a good five points a week floor, so there's value there, but the ceiling is just off this world. So he's one of those high-upside players that needs a couple things to break his way. Um, I, I, and, and it's also a team we need to keep in mind that runs a high percentage of two downs, two tight end sets, uh, definitely uh, more than average. So uh, definitely look at get Dallas Goddard. I normally wouldn't advocate going for a second tight end, but this is a case if you're an Ertz owner or you just don't like the guys that are on your roster he's one that i'd consider taking with one of your final picks in the draft i think goddard's gonna be a guy that wins you a dfs league but i'm not gonna take him in a season-long format Ertz has missed uh four games uh, is as his starting as the starting tight end for the eagles so it's not like we can just assume he's not a jordan reed right like he's not gonna be missing a ton of time oh, yeah, and goddard absolutely. immediately inserts himself mm-hmm. in his but he can he has the talent to be a elite receiving tight end in this league. I just think where he's positioned alongside Ertz and a lot of other weapons on that Eagles offense overall, whether it be running back receiver, I don't know if there's enough targets uh, that he could get 
he'd have to do a lot in the red zone for me to feel comfortable taking yeah. him um, as a tight end. So it's just something to, to think about. And I love him in a, as a DFS option, but I wouldn't really take him in a season-long format. Before mm-hmm. we get to the running backs, because I think we got a lot of guys, at least at the running back position, we want to talk about, let's get a, a word from our po- uh, sponsors, Superdraft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mode, Multiplier. Say goodbye to salary cap restri- restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for your Superdraft today using promo code ROTOWARE and claim your free $5 in Supercash in a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or play at Superdraft.io. Superdraft. No limits, more winning. I'll just say Dallas Goddard's going to win a super draft lineup at some point this season. I can guarantee it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely has that upside in him, and uh, they do like him enough around the red zone. I mean, the, the touchdowns absolutely bring up his floor. So I see where you're coming from. He could sneak in one of those three touchdown days out of nowhere and get you the GPP victory. Let's talk about the running backs overall. The, the middle round is an interesting spot. I've been avoiding it for the most part except for – two or three people that I'm really targeting. James White, in particular, in the PPR format, I love a lot at his 53 ADP. Daryl Henderson, I have probably a 60, 60% owners rate right now. And I want to caution the listeners, that's not a faint of heart pick. Like, it, it, this isn't so much based off of Todd Gurley. I really think Daryl Henderson is going to have a huge impact on that Rams offense, regardless if Gurley's healthy or not. But best case scenario, he's the Elvin Kamara to the Mike Mark Ingram that is Todd Gurley. Worst case scenario, he's a backup all year that you're taking in rounds five or six. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a legitimate concern that you have to have with a guy like Daryl Henderson and Tevin Coleman is another guy that I love a lot. I think he's going to do well in that 49ers offense, but a lot of things have to break his way when it comes to other guys kind of getting hurt. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, we saw last year get hurt too, but I love Matt Breida. He's been dealing with some injuries. If he factors in, that that hurts Coleman's value. These are the type of players you have to already start considering as RB2s or flexes if you didn't invest in that position early in those first three rounds and i think that's where it's a bit concerning at running back yeah so i'll kind of run down your list i'm definitely with you with james white his adp is 53 so that you know you're looking like an early fifth round pick in a ppr format and i can't argue with that too much i mean there's the sony michelle he had some of those knee procedures last season how durable is he going to be not worried about rex burkhead cutting into the carries i mean damian harris eventually is like a super late flyer but uh james white at his adp i think is people sleep on him every single year because he's not a flashy player but he's going to do some flashy things this year so no doubt about that Tevin Coleman I'm with you in a sense I'm a little lukewarm just because there are viable options I will see how McKinnon recovers from that knee injury uh we'll see what kind of role Breida has once he is ready to take those full camp uh reps but what I'm really interested in is the Daryl Henderson one now he's got an ADP um, of 107 and that even seems a little high because I've seen people um pay so such a premium for daryl henderson and uh yeah i'm actually looking you know I, I took 107 from our site but over the last seven days his adp is up to 71 which means people are really backing off todd Gurley. and the interesting thing is uh i saw uh, an informative tweet from brad evans the other day that said todd Gurley logged an 88.8 percent snap share last season and sean mcveigh says he would like henderson or brown somehow combined uh to take on 35 percent of the snaps so that's a gigantic decrease in workload even for a healthy Gurley. So I think Henderson 
could be a guy who ends up with some flex appeal, but the ceiling for Henderson is off the charts. You know, he could finish as a, as a top five back and be a top 10 pick next year if the knee just isn't right for Gurley. And, and what I've sensed with Gurley is there's some lingering lingering issues here. So he's definitely a guy that uh, could just way outperform his ADP and has some slight flex appeal on weeks, um, on, on weeks even if Gurley is healthy, just as, as a backup, someone you can play in your lineup. I'm not crazy about his ADP of 71 over the last week i'd like it much better if it was around 100 but he's still on my draft board nonetheless that's exactly why we we categorize and i keep trying to tell the listeners the sleeper word like it doesn't doesn't always apply like everyone who's anybody in fantasy knows who daryl henderson is and is on him i'm saying right now that even at that adp is 71 whether it's in that range of 71 to 91 where i've seen him go a lot at least in best ball formats i'm completely in on and i think he's one of those people that even if it doesn't work out, I took a chance in a guy that could be a top five overall pick, like you said. Like mm-hmm. the, the value that he could return if everything goes right, and frankly, we say everything goes right for a lot of different players. It's not too far of an imagination. You don't have to stretch too far to assume what everything goes right means for Daryl Henderson. Like exactly. a, nothing really has to go too out of characteristic yeah. for him to be able to return on that value. So I like his price mm-hmm. quite a bit. And, too and, late. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that his ceiling is James Conner. You know, think of James Conner last year. If, if everything, all the dominoes fall, you're looking at a James Conner. And where's James Conner being taken in drafts? First round. So, I mean, it, it could happen. He's someone that has the potential more than anybody else on this list, maybe the highest ceiling to outperform their ADP. Yeah, exactly. Two guys that grow going uh, rounds nine and later that I like quite a bit. You had talked about Vance McDonald and how the Steelers don't have a Le'Veon Bell type of pass catcher anymore. That's 100% true. Only because Le'Veon Bell, I think, is going to be one, historically one of the best receiving running backs that we have ever seen. James Conner, but more importantly, Jalen Samuels, who I like a lot in rounds 10 and later, are both above average pass catchers in their own right. And I think they could really do well in a Steelers offense that needs to get creative now that they lost both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Like, I think they could really use Samuels as an H-back, meaning he'll split outside uh, in the slot. There could be two running backs on the field with Connor and Samuels. He was a tight end at college at times. Like, he could do a, a lot of different things, and he could be an underneath guy, but he also has the speed to not stretch the field, but be an intermediary threat. I, I really like him as a catch-all person that is going to do everything besides running back like he'll be listed as a running back but he could be a guy that gets eight to ten receptions if the Steelers are trailing or into in a high high explosive game like I I like him quite a bit and then Devlin Singletary who I was mocked for rightfully so taking I think round eight in that Rotoware magazine which you can get a free copy for if you show Jake the uh, subscription or I'm sorry the <laughs> the ratings of the podcast yep we're just asking people. for five star reviews here here folks help us out I'll, I'll, I'll give you the rundown again at the end of the show yeah but Devin Singletary took in round seven of the standard Rotoware mock draft that was probably a little bit too high and a little mm-hmm. bit too aggressive but I thought at the time this, the the Bills running back core would figure itself out in the point where Devin Singletary emerges as the number one guy. We haven't seen that yet, although there's the Sean McCoy news that he could be maybe traded during the preseason if they're able to sniff up enough value. I don't believe in Frank Gore, and I don't believe as TJ Yeldon as a, a true back or true three down back, and I think Devin Singletary could be that. You're taking him at rounds 15, 16, 17 in the best ball format. You're just literally throwing a dart, and why not throw a dart on a guy that could be the most important member of a Bills offense? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Josh Allen lovers like you, Jake. Exactly. So I, I think Singletary could fit in pretty well. I'm interested in both these guys, but I'm definitely more intrigued by a guy like Singletary because of, uh, one, the ceiling and who's ahead of him on the depth chart. I mean, uh, 
Singletary sits at number three beside, be, behind McCoy and Gore. But And, of course, I've probably been saying that Gore's going to slow down for the last five years, and now he's 36 and on his way to the Hall of Fame. Uh, who knows what's going on there? But um, as far as the caliber of player ahead of him at their position, when we look at Samuel versus Singletary, I think Singletary actually has a better spot path to playing time as even though he's technically further down on the depth chart i want to you know we're running long for a lot of our things and i still want to get to some wide receivers so but i'll i'll hit on a couple of my uh my running back targets here uh, as far as mid-round targets um we haven't talked about Rashad Penny on this show much or uh, other episodes, to my knowledge, at an ADP of 80. I think he absolutely needs to be considered. He came into camp out of shape last year. He definitely let a lot of people down. He's going to land on some people's don't draft list for that reason. Way too much recency bias happening there. Um, but he, the whole physical condition isn't an issue. Um, and then, he, of course, we've got the Chris Carson situation. Carson's ADP is 58. Penny's is 80. I think you're going to see that tighten up as we start to see more training camp and even in the, in the, in the preseason how some of these things play out here. Um, but I think that the situation is much, much better for Penny this year, just coming into shape and not having a Mike Davis, a veteran, to cut into his workload a little bit. And then, the, of course, there's the team contest. Yes, you have a bottom 10 offensive line, but that bottom 10 offensive line finished first in the league in rushing yards per game last year with 166. Now, Russell Wilson's going to be part of that, but I think whoever's running in that backfield benefits from Russell Wilson. It'll open up running lanes, having a, such a mobile quarterback that will threaten with the zone read on occasion here. Uh, so it's going to be great for both of those running backs. And I think Penny... Uh, um, he's going to show more athleticism than Chris Carson and eventually take over um, the bulk of that job. We're going to kind of run into uh, an Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams situation here where people are, are going to see that Penny's obviously the other back. They're going to wait for him to get the carries, wait for him, and then it's going to happen and he's suddenly going to turn into a top 15 running back. The other guy I like in that range is Ronald Jones with an ADP of 119. I won't hit on him crazy because I know you've talked about him a bunch, uh, but it all boils down to me. You know, we've got Ronald Jones, we've got Peyton Barber, it's a Bruce Arians led offense. You tell me, Joe, who projects more like the David Johnson type? I think the answer is clear there. Um, the coach speak is all there. If you run down all his recent notes on uh, on rotowire.com, you can see all what people are saying about him in camp. It's already looking leaps and bounds better than last season. I don't think we're going to see him on the inactive list like last year. And the most telling factor for me with Tampa Bay is they didn't add any running backs. They didn't add any running backs in the draft or the free agent. Uh, I don't know if they think Peyton Barber is some world beater or something, but I think the fact that they didn't add help at the position uh, means that they have a lot of faith in Ronald Jones. So I know I don't need to convince you on that one. No. Are you on board with Jones and Penny, Joe? <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm definitely in on Jones. I think uh, of the... Of the people I've been touting the most, Ronald Jones will be the make or break, uh, sink or swim of my fantasy season this year as a guy that I've been touting quite a bit. It, if the Buccaneers acquire a running back, and I could see them going after a Jarek McKinnon if he got cut or traded, uh, or like if Duke Johnson, if the Browns decide to shed him, I could see him really stepping in. And then Ronald Jones. Melvin that, that, Gordon would look real nasty in that offense. That's not going to happen. No one's going to get rid of Melvin Gordon. You can stop trying to suggest that. But yeah, I, I think that um, mm-hmm. like if the Buccaneers acquire one of those guys, then then Ronald Jones for now ends up being just uh, – Maybe film uh, and it's fine, but I'm not a huge Rashad Penny fan. He did burn me a little bit last season, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna let somebody else have to wait three or four or five weeks until that situation sells out. And by then, I'll have hopefully a three and one or four and zero record, and I don't have to worry about the running back spot. So I'm I'm more in on Ronald Jones, and I would take Ronald Jones over Rashad Penny outright, despite their massive difference in ADP. So we're gonna get to the wide receivers, uh, the mid and late round values in particular, um, and some guys that I like, but more importantly, the guys that Jake likes. First, I do want to talk a little bit about our 
Sorry, I do want to talk about FantasyDraft.com. FantasyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about break. Are you tired of paying high fees to play daily fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees called break can cost daily fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As daily fantasy sites continue to raise break, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lying in the pockets of big DFS sites and less money for players. But change is coming. Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite contest without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contest rake-free on daily fantasy or on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game-changer. Just imagine what playing on a fantasy draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and be the first to know when the rake-free revolution begins. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. I spent a lot of time, probably too much time, frankly, talking about my love for running backs and quarterbacks. I'm going to just run down three of my mid-round wide receiver ADPs without giving much more context because, frankly, I've talked about them in enough platforms that you're tired of hearing about them. Will Fuller, ADP at 90 right now. Love him in the Texans offense. I think he's going to be fantastic. Christian Kirk at ADP 89. I'll take both those guys over at least three or four options above them right now. And Devin Funches as a red zone option for the Colts, I love quite a bit. The later round guys, though, I'm particularly interested in talking about with you, Jake. Marquez Veldes-Scantling is the number two and will be the number two wide receiver for the Packers this season. Book it right now. I understand what Geronimo Allison's done. Equinemius St. Brown could develop into more of a pass catcher, but his explosiveness is needed is required for the Packers to be successful this season, and I think he's going to be fantastic. Right now we have his ADP at 140. I've seen it trend up more uh, in the 110-125 range, and I think that's probably where it's going to end up landing until we get more solidification on what his role is in the offense. Nikhil Harry is the other receiver, another guy that probably is going to be the number two wide receiver for his team, this being the Patriots. First-round draft pick, so a little bit higher pedigree than Marquez Veldes-Scantling, but Tom Brady needs to throw to somebody other than Julian Edelman and James White, and I think... Harry's got to fill that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from on all these guys. They all have one major obstacle in my eyes that if they can get over that, then they're definitely going to exceed their value. It just matters to me how much you're going to take that obstacle into account. Will Fuller, it's his injury history. Christian Kirk, it's, I mean, I guess there's a couple. You could say rookie quarterback and will this air raid offense translate to the NFL. Devin Funchess, it's it's could possibly be himself i mean he wasn't even a factor here towards the end of the the year last year when you know some might say he quit and maybe maybe a new team a new winning team will help his case here um and then he's got those tight ends that are going to take some goal line touchdowns so that's interesting i think i'm the least interested in Funchess out of that trio of the mid-round targets valdez scantling i see where you're coming from it just depends on what geronimo allison if or what anything he's going to take from him um but i you know as a packer fan i hope that plays out harry i'm not crazy on as a rookie wide receiver in belichick's offense um you know if the edelman injury lingers even further or something else happens i could see it but uh just the rookie wide receivers do scare me a little bit here uh as far as my picks, you threw some good mid-round targets out there. I'll add one more into the list who you can probably create, call me crazy for, but I'm not ready to hop off the Corey Davis hype train yet. It's year three for him in Tennessee. The ADP is 80 overall. I'm fine with that price. I might even go a couple picks earlier just to make sure I get him. You know, you guys have all heard the classic year three breakout metrics for wide receivers. I've been... I mean, ever since they played Western Michigan, played Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl, and he made some insane, insane physical plays, uh, he's impressed me a whole lot. And 
he's somebody who I think can really do some damage if he had some competent quarterback play. And that's a big thing. Marcus Mariota might hold him back a little bit. But everything we've seen so far in camp with Corey Davis is uh, he's improving. More, he's improved his body control during the offseason, and that's already been evident in practices. He's a standout. He's making diving catches, several plays downfield uh, during Titans training camp. So I definitely want to check that out. He smoked a Dory Jackson the other day. I mean, the skills are there. So um, he's And the Dory Jackson's a good cornerback, too. Like, let's yep. not discount that just being that he's he's facing his own team. Like, Adoree's going to be, I think, one of the top 20 cornerbacks this season. I, I'm 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 in on Corey Davis's talent. I have always been in on Corey Davis's talent. Uh, our resident Western Michigan expert, uh, Mike Mike Gay, uh, who does hockey for us, has been just a super fan of Corey Davis. And I don't really blame him. Yeah. It's tough to not be when you look at the tantalizing measurables he has and the speed he's able to run it and the pass catching ability he has. I'm concerned about what his role is in the Titans offense, but more importantly, what the Titans offense is overall. Like it's dependent almost entirely on Derrick Henry being a rugged runner. And sometimes like we saw for almost three fourths of last year, that just isn't something that he can do for whatever the reason he should be able to. And he just can't. And Deion Lewis and his impact isn't good enough. Ultimately, it depends on what Marcus Mariota is able to do as a healthy quarterback, and we frankly haven't seen that in the last two or three seasons. So you're right. I'm not ready to discount Corey Davis, but I'm also not ready to draft him. He, along with Darrell Henderson, frankly, is a guy that next season, if I said Corey Davis is a first-round pick, would you be entirely shocked? I know I wouldn't be if he was a back-end first-round or early second-round pick mm-hmm. if he's able to explode this season. I think that's it's okay to target those guys in the rounds six, seven, eight who could make or break your fantasy league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, we're roughly on the same page there. I'll probably let Mike go ahead and buy him in our stake league when that comes around <laughs> uh, because I know he will overpay for him. But in average leagues, I know he left a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of fantasy owners, was a non-factor in the playoffs last year. So I think you can get him at a discounted price for a player of his caliber. Before we wrap up, though, Joe, I'll throw out a couple of my late round flyers here. Now, people are going to, you know, people might think this is nuts after we found out the Tyreek Hill news that he's back and uh, he's set to not be suspended. So... A guy like Nicole Hardman, who was sitting around 170 and ADP, is now parachuting down. I'm looking to see how far he goes and then still possibly snatch him up with my last pick. I've got a 12-team keeper league that I'm going to try to snatch him up for a buck at the end. you know he's got this. You know he's got the uh, positive vibes during camp so far. He's looking crazy fast with the ball in his hands. Um, but the thing for me is, you know, you rank, you look at these top receivers here. You know, you got right, 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 leading up to Tyreek Hill, you've got you know Devonte Adams, you got Antonio Brown, you got uh, Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, you got, you got a pretty big group there here. And if you throw Tyreek Hill into that group, and and you asked. Which one has the most likely to randomly be suspended over the course of the year? Now, I know Hill's been cleared, but given what's what's going on, um, you know, who knows? Something could happen. And, and you hate to base your analysis off something as speculative as that, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. And I've never been crazy high on Sammy Watkins, not only his injury history, uh, but, you know, he had his chances last year and he never put up crazy fantasy numbers. So someone like Hardman possibly taking over that Tyreek Hill role, if Tyreek Hill lines up in the backfield and Hardman maybe gets some of those outside snaps, uh, he's not going to be the guy that defenses are paying attention to. And I think there's going to be some uh, some potential there. Um and then other guys I've talked about, I think earlier on the show, maybe they've been elsewhere, but I like David Moore from Seattle. He's getting the first team reps in camps. Everyone's everyone's all over DK Metcalf, but uh, I think David Moore has a clear spot to a starting job and at least reps in the slot. Um, and then I want to talk about James Washington one more time. Um, 
because one Dante Moncrief hurt his finger the other day. That's not expected to be long term, but we'll see how how that injury affects him the rest of camp. Um, but I'm not necessarily going to count on a Dante Moncrief w or wide receiver two breakout um, when it hasn't happened. It's his third team in three years, and we just haven't quite got that. So Washington is someone who kind of who kind of came up with the Steelers in in a way. If I got that right, you know, it was rookie season last year. Didn't do a whole lot. Uh, the yards per target wasn't very efficient at five point seven. But I think there's tons of room to grow. Um, you know, for, for a guy like. Washington. Washington and there's going to need to be a, wide, a second wide receiver that's serviceable after Juju that's going to get a lot of targets now it could be Vance McDonald like I alluded to earlier but in terms of wide receiver I think James Washington needs to be on the radar and is worth one of your final picks it's funny I think you're either super in on Dante Moncrief as the wide receiver two for the Steelers or you're completely out there is no in between at least from the the experts that I've listened to thus far and I'm I'm with you I'm completely out on Dante Moncrief I don't want any shares of him I'm intrigued slightly by James Washington but I think I'd rather have Jalen Samuels because I think he'll have a role as a pass catcher and runner but exactly. I do want to I do want to double back to the Mikol Hardman just real quick John McKechnie and Mario Puig were in t- like super high on Mikol Hardman uh, really through the early days of July um, and June and the reason was a that he's probably going to be starting with Tyreek Hill out they're still in on him and I'm still in on Michael Harbin because of the fact that he could end up filling in for Tyreek Hill if Hill was to miss time but I think his role in the offense is going to be such where if you're taking him in the 12th or 13th round uh, three weeks ago you can still safely feel like he'll be able to even hit that low of a value I think that's how talented Michael Harbin is that's how great that Chiefs offense is so I'm I'm still in on Michael Harbin and I'm buying him up completely so I love the discount that you're getting him at you know and as opposed to a guy like Washington uh, over the last seven days, Washington's actually surpassed Moncrief in ADP. Moncrief's right around 120, whereas Washington's 108. So it's tight, but you're but you're definitely going to get the discount on Hardman, and I like that, especially if you're in a deeper league where you're looking to make league winning moves, where guys could potentially swing your season if the if again if the dominoes fall, if the cards lie, play out right. So uh, hopefully, this show we've given you a ton of sleepers to consider, and uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. happy to talk. Uh, maybe we should have done this position by position because we're about to run long. But uh, in the interest of time, we'll kind of wrap this up with these sleepers and uh, and uh, hope we get just some useful information. Definitely get after us on Twitter here if um, if you want us to elaborate on anything we discussed. Yeah, uh, this is great. And I think next week we'll probably tackle more of the busts or guys that we don't like in their current ADP value. But we definitely ran through quite a bit the quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends and wide receivers. Uh, a lot of different positions that we kind of were able to cover. I'll toss it back to you, though, just to go ahead and run down one more time that 10 free NFL magazines that uh, listeners could get. Yeah, if you made it this far, good. I'll uh, summarize this one more time. All I need you to do out there is to give us a five star rating review on iTunes. If you're an Android user or don't use iTunes, you can still make an iTunes account with an email address check out our podcast leave it a five-star review screen grab it and uh pop pop it to me on twitter then i'll dm you and i'll get you a free nfl magazine in the mail i'll get that today if you dm me today or uh I'll, but of course i'll be around all, all for the next couple weeks want to hook up our listeners with a little bit of a reward and this is the best kind of thing i can think of so uh again i'm at roto jake on twitter joe's at jb fantasy sports but i'll be handling the mailing for you so hopefully we can get some reviews out there coming we're looking to boost our rankings here get us up there with some of the big guys in terms of podcasts and uh, we appreciate all of our loyal listeners that have been getting into it this uh, thus far but we're about to get into the heat of draft season and we definitely like to get one more boost so uh, screen grab a five-star review on iTunes send it to me on Twitter and I'll go ahead and send you an NFL mag I'll do it for the first 10 people I get and uh, obviously we'll thank everybody else uh, who would like to help us out in that manner as well so it's very much appreciated yeah oh that does it for us the Tuesday RotoWire NFL podcast sponsored by 
uh, Yahoo DFS. We'll be back again next week to talk more of our busts and players. We're just not overall interested in their current ADPs. Until then, see you later. is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance from functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.